Welcome to the next track. A podcast about how people listen to music today. I'm Doug Adams. And I'm Kirk McElhern. We self-produce the Next Track podcast and want to keep it ad-free, so we rely on contributions from listeners for support. You can help us by making a regular donation via Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash the next track. And thanks. I'm wondering why the Mac system preferences has a sound preference pane instead of an audio preference pane. That's a good question. I, I imagine it has something to do with, like, Back in the day, there was sound coming out of the computer, so they needed the preference to control the sound. But audio sounds kind of a doesn't sound. It sounds too jargony. No, it sounds more serious because yeah. sound makes me think of the interface sounds that you get on the Mac. Do you remember that app under a Mac OS nine where you could? choose sound sets and have different sounds when you did things like yeah. open windows and put things in the trash? Sure, sure. I don't know why we're talking about this, because the, the subject today is headphones. Yeah, but headphones need sound. Otherwise, well, they're the, no you, good unless you can you're listening with them. sound, if you have sound. You can select them and adjust them in the sound preference pane. So That's true. That's yes. the connection. I suppose. Well, you can only select the headphone output. Oh, well, no, that's not true. Oh, wait a minute. Don't, I'm getting way ahead of myself. You can do a million. You can select your output device a million different you ways. You can. And we won't even go into all the other tools that you can use for this because it gets complicated. But we wanted to revisit another topic that we have actually visited twice. Episode number five back in 2016 was headphones or speakers. And there we were just basically looking at what's the difference between listening on headphones and listening on speakers. The funny thing is, is like whenever we're at a loss for what to discuss, the first thing we do is we look around on our desks. Yes. And we go, Good oh, point. Should, we, do we, should we do a show on headphones? So we've been waiting a long, long time to do another show about headphones because the fifth one we did was headphones. And then we did one, what, 100 episodes later? hundred Episode 106 was music in your head, listening to music on headphones. And that was more an analysis of the idea of listening on headphones. Yeah. But I think what prompted us both to want to discuss this again, I guess we're going to have to do this every 100 episodes or so, is the fact that we have changed headphones since then a couple of times. And I don't know about you, but in my case, I'm not using as many headphones, and my headphones are a lot more versatile than before. I, um, I bought these little cotton sacks that you use to hold grains, and they're about a foot by a foot. They're little bags, right? They're sacks. I put my headphones in them, and I have hung them up on the other side of the desk because there's two pairs of pro headphones that I used to use fairly regularly on and off, but now I don't use them at all. I have one pair of really nice headphones, my Biodynamics that I use when I'm editing and stuff like that, and then I have a pair of uh, the uh, the Solo Beat, uh, Solo Pros, the Beat Solo Pros that we'll talk about later. And I don't wear earbuds anymore. I don't. They're all just kind of tucked away. Well, I'm wearing earbuds right now and only one <laughs> because I just I'm not wearing both. I only have the one because I don't want two earplugs in my head while I'm doing this. Plus, it's more like it's more like the guys at Cape Canaveral <laughs> when I was a kid. They all had one headphone on one earphone or people on, on TV the, over there. One of their ears. 
they have the one earphone. Well, I think yeah. we need to distinguish between the headphones we use for professional use, so podcasting, and the headphones we use to listen to music. In my case, I've got this same Sennheiser PX102i whatever. Stop talking like that. That I've had for a couple of years. The foam covers have worn out and I was able to get replacements. And I'm a little worried they're not going to last. But the thing is, when I'm podcasting, I don't need audio quality. I just need to hear the sound. I'm listening to a voice. I'm not, it's not like I'm listening to music. So I don't need expensive headphones. And it kind of surprises me that you use your Bayer Dynamics for editing podcasts when my logic when I'm editing podcasts is like the Rolling Stones driving around listening to the mix of XI on Main Street on a car radio, because you want to hear them how people are going to listen to them. And some people listen to podcasts on expensive headphones and others on earbuds, etc. Um, the reason I listen with really good headphones is because, one, I'm used to it. Uh, that's just my convention. But um, I figure if I can catch anything that can be uh, amplified later or maybe not sound so great. I can, I can hear the original source stuff while I'm editing better with my pro headphones and I can just using headphones just to know that there's sound there. It's like that guy stopped talking, now put that guy talking there. I don't, I, I, wanna, I wanna hear it. I really wanna hear uh, the sound. So that's why I still use Biodynamics. But I mean, I, I could easily edit over a decent pair of speakers, too. But it's just a convention. Well, when I edit podcasts, I just use my iMac speakers. Yeah. It's good enough. If sometimes I'll turn the volume up and I'll look more closely at the waveform, but I don't really care about the sound quality. I, I care that it sounds good for a podcast, but I'm not looking to mold the sound of something to make an enjoyable sound. I think it's interesting that you do the editing on a on computer speakers, because if you had told me that 15 years ago, that you edit <laughs> audio and you use your computer speakers as monitors, I would have like laughed at you because that's just ridiculous. You can't possibly, how, how dare you edit <laughs> using your computer monitor speakers or your laptop speakers, which would be even worse. But um, we both have iMacs and actually the, the, the sound from the uh, from the speakers is, is is great, especially if you bounce it nice off the table and things like that. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. So I have an article on my website, the headphones I use, and I first wrote this, I believe, in two thousand five because I was getting a lot of emails from people, and I updated it in two thousand twelve. Haven't touched it since then, and I went back this morning after I listened to our two previous headphone episodes to update it. And what's interesting is it's reduced to like just a couple of headphones. I do have a pair of good headphones and, and they're under the heading serious listening. I have a pair of AKG K702. They're big headphones, big. They're like soft slippers over your ear, you know, that kind. <laughs> I haven't listened. I haven't used them in a year or so. I just don't. Yeah, you need the sacks. You need to get yeah. the cotton sacks and store them away. Put yeah, them they're away. in my Ikea shelf unit behind one of those doors. I pull them out occasionally, but I just don't use them because any serious listening, I'm just listening on speakers. I don't find headphones to be the ideal way for serious listening. Um, I'll tell you something. I agree with that to some degree. I do prefer to listen to music with speakers. My, my next track pick a couple of weeks ago was Peter Frampton's Frampton Comes Alive, which is a live record. And I started listening to it over speakers. And I said, this sounds great, but I wonder how it sounds on headphones because we're going to do an episode on headphones. 
So I listened to, I don't know, a couple of, a side of it with headphones, and it sounded really good. <laughs> and I'm wondering that if uh, in, the, in the 70s and the 80s there was consideration given for, for headphone listening, because up until then, only audiophiles really listened to, to music on headphones. It, it, there was no reason to get headphones. Families didn't own headphones. If they bought a console you know, a piece of furniture with a turntable and a radio. It didn't have a headphone jack. You know, there were, people didn't have headphones. So it was very unusual to listen to with headphones up until people started, you know, Walkman comes along and headphones are around. People realize that wearing headphones is, is not as weird as, a, uh, as wearing a, a mask to keep COVID away. When Frampton Comes Alive was released in 1976, I had a friend named Scott in Queens. He was in my high school. In his basement, he had this audio setup with like the two really big, tall speakers and the easy chair at the apex of the equilateral triangle between them. It was like the first person I ever knew who did that sort of, I don't want to use the word obsessive, but he found the sweet spot and he stayed there forever. But I didn't know anyone with headphones back then. I definitely didn't. It wasn't common. As you say, when the Walkman came around, that changed everything. But we went into this in episode 106 about the Walkman and how it changed things. Here's what's changed for me. When Apple removed the headphone jack from the iPhone, it was no longer possible to use wired headphones. Now, I sometimes go out and take walks and I want to listen to music. And so I've got Apple AirPods, the basic ones, not the in-canal where I can hear my breathing and heartbeat and all that, which I don't like, but the basic ones. They're good enough. I use AirPods at home if I'm listening to podcasts. I use AirPods to make phone calls because it's a lot easier than holding a, a phone. Like, who holds a phone anymore, right? Who makes phone calls? Oh, I do. I, I have phone calls often, but yeah. I mean, the, I know the United States is different. but And so the other thing is that I recently got AirPods Max. This was in June. And uh, we had a discussion about this already, about how great it is for the surround sound when you're watching movies or TV shows, not for music, spatial audio. So essentially, my headphone usage has gone from about a half a dozen to <laughs> three, and that's if I count my podcasting headphones. Yeah. Other than the podcasting headphones, I basically use the AirPods and the AirPods Max. I rarely listen on wired headphones. I had a separate entry in my article for noise-canceling headphones. Well, Noise-canceling headphones are now the AirPods Max. I had a separate one for watching movies and TV shows, and that's now the AirPods Max. So that's it. I'm down to two headphones. Again, I don't want to count the podcasting headphones because this is a professional task, and, and it's different. It's, it's not music. It, yeah, it's a tool, and it's a thing you pick up and throw on and then throw yeah. back in the drawer. Um, yeah, I, for the longest time, I was trying to find really good wireless headphones or earbuds or anything wireless, and I tried Lots and lots of headphones. I have a drawer full of these things that proclaim to be really good wireless headphones. And part of the problem up until very recently has been this the latency, the, the, the delay in the wireless. And um, it's, just, it's just been awful. And then the quality of the audio that you can actually get through Bluetooth and things like that has just never been great. I, too, have, like I said, put a few pairs of wired headphones away. I leave the buyers around, biodynamics around. I got a pair of these... Um, <laughs> Beat Solo Pros because I've been selling them. You can get them for under two hundred dollars. You can get them. I bought them for one hundred and sixty dollars, and I said, "Oh, I, at that price, I have to have them." But I really like them. They are now my main headphones when I listen to music on headphones. It connects with virtually everything. I I can connect it to any Mac. I can connect it to any Apple device. Obviously, 
but I also have a, a little headphone Bluetooth thing that I can use if I need to. So I'm pretty happy with these. I'm I'm really very surprised and delighted actually by these Beat Solo Pros. I'd always heard that they were a bit too consumery. That is, they have too much bass. They're not loud enough. Blah 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 blah. They are just about right for everything. I have yet to be disappointed when listening to anything on them. So I I, I really like them. I'm, I, the only thing I don't like about them is that they're great, but they're just these big headphones. You've got to go outside and wear them. And I, I would prefer to wear something a little more discreet when I'm outside walking the dog or walking to the market or whatever, because I'm that geeky music guy walking down the street with the big headphones on. And I, well. But I think a lot of people do wear big headphones outdoors these days because of the popularity of Beats. But you can just get some AirPods or AirPods Pro if you want something more discreet. But I love the sound. I think what's interesting, though, I think what's interesting is that we both adopted Bluetooth in spite of the limitations in the the bandwidth, the codec is limited to I think uh, 266 kilobits per second, something 264. So it's a little bit more than 256, which means you're getting Apple Music streaming quality. Although although Apple Music is now available in lossless, and you can't get that with the headphones. Uh, does the Beats Solo Pro have a jack in it to connect yeah. wired? If you want, yeah. So does the AirPods Max. But I don't find myself doing it because well, I'd have to be sitting next to something with a headphone jack. And my Sonos amp doesn't have one. My iPhone obviously doesn't. My iPads don't. So I could connect it to my iMac. That still has a headphone jack. But what's the point? You're sitting right there with wireless headphones and your iMac can airplay to them. Well, right? if I wanted to not have compressed audio, if I wanted to have lossless audio, in other words, the lossless is coming through the wire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's going to sound a little bit better. But does it matter that much? No, not, I, don't, I think at that point, I don't think it does. And plus, if you... See, if I'm sitting in front of the computer, I'm not. I think I'd rather be listening to music over the speakers. Of course. All, all I was saying is the only device that I have where I can plug the headphones in wired is my iMac or or my um, my mixer that I use for podcasting. For some reason, the AirPods Max have a terrible sound when they come through the mixer, and I don't know exactly why. Really? Yeah. But let's get back to the fact that we've adopted these headphones that works so well when you switch from a Mac to an iPhone to an iPad. And that's one of the key reasons that you it just automatically switches. You don't have to pair. And I think that is such a huge selling point. Now, people who aren't using Apple devices, totally different. And again, we're, we're not today talking about headphones with eighth-inch jacks that you plug into a headphone amplifier, because if you want to do that, that's totally different. And, and neither of us really do that anymore. Very rarely do I listen with wired headphones. Um, you're absolutely right. Getting, going from, I'm really surprised at how aware all of my devices are of the headphones. It's like as soon as I come near it, I'll get a message saying, you're near your headphones. You can use them. And I have to shut it off because it's like yep. it keeps telling me my headphones are nearby. Um, yeah. But it's really, you're right. That's a terrific uh, point. And there isn't that much delay, I guess, because what Apple has engineered it so that you really don't hear a delay when you use an Apple device. Is that how it works? Yeah. So yeah, I think so. It's, it's great. Now, I can't use it. There are so many conditions I can't. There is a delay still on some things. What would those be? Um, well, you couldn't use to them to edit audio. Right. You can't do it now. Like, for instance, right now. We you, could use it now while we we're recording. We could use it now. We would have a little bit of latency when we're hearing each other, yeah. but not too much. Yeah. And I guess yeah, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't use them for... It's just something weird about editing with wireless headphones. I just can't do it. I have to have a wired yeah. thing. It's... 
maybe that's inbred. Well, you are going to have latency with wireless, and that's going to yeah. be a problem. When you're listening to something and you hear a um or a tap on the desk or something, you want to remove it, then it's going to be too late. Then you got to look at the waveform. You've got that. You've got habits built in for that. So uh, I, th- I think wireless doesn't work. I, I do want to point out, though, that both of us, we have these noise-canceling headphones. And what's really interesting is it's not just noise-canceling, but you've got this transparency mode. So if you are walking down the street, you can hear the car that's coming. So it's not like... Other big headphones that, that block out sound, because remember that you've got passive noise canceling, which is the fact that it seals over your ears. Then you've got the active noise canceling, that it cuts out the sound of the lawnmower or the leaf blower. But when you need to be aware of what's going on outside, you've got the transparency mode. So if I'm watching a movie on my iPad, I always leave the transparency mode on so I can hear when the cat's making noise or something. Or when the fire alarm goes off. For example. Or yeah. when the neighbors start having that lousy party that they have on Thursday nights. <laughs> I actually had never really heard really good noise canceling until I got these. I think they do it really well. I've, yeah. My, I got my uh, my wife a pair of headphones to uh, to use at work that were noise canceling, and they were okay. But I put these on. I mean, I really cannot believe how isolated you become when they do that. I I. I hope this doesn't sound like an ad for these for these headphones. Well, it kind of is turning into a thirty minute commercial for Apple's AirPods and Beats headphones. I and, think it's a co- but, it's a thirty minute commercial for wireless. Um, yeah, it's because okay. it's become it. You get used to wearing wireless headphones, and you put wired headphones, and you get up and you walk away from your desk, and you're pulling the receiver out. I've done it a couple yeah. of times because I've, I'm now I'm you know fifty fifty wired fifty uh, with the with the AirPlay. So um, it's, you know, there, there yeah. are risks involved, I suppose. Uh, I, the, one, the one regret, now yours are a lot less expensive than mine. What did you say you paid 160 Mine were 549 pounds, the AirPods Max, which is overpriced. It clearly is. But there are some advantages. They are fully over-ear. Yours are the on-ear, so that's a little bit different, right? You'd have to go to the Studio 3 wireless. I'm just looking on Amazon to get over-ear. And they're a little bit older, I think. They're not as quite as good. It could be. I'm not sure. Yeah. I might get another pair just to keep in backup. I don't know. Oh, you don't price. need another pair like backup. To... Seriously. <laughs> I can't. I'm the, type of, I'm the guy that buys two of everything, just in case. Yeah, no, that's ridiculous. Just in case I like it and I want another one, or if the first one breaks and I have... You can get them anytime you want, so it's not it's not You're like right. they're right. it's not like they're hard to get. Like the iPhone 13, which is more than four weeks for delivery right now, which is surprising. By the time this podcast comes out, it'll be what around the 13th of October, and so we're recording on the third. And I think it, it it's like mid November now to get a new iPhone, but that's not the case with the the Beats. Now that was the case with the AirPods Max when they came out with the original AirPods, the AirPods Pro, each one. But Beats has never been like that. They've always been a lot more available. I think. Well, they're terrific headphones. But anyway, I, I, I think any wireless headphones okay. is going to have to come up, come up to their standard. I'm not sure how well wired headphones are actually going to be doing among consumers anymore. I would think that they are more into you know, the wireless stuff. I think aside from audiophiles, and it would be interesting to get our audiophile friend Chris Conacher on the show one day to talk about audiophile headphones, which is a huge market. But I think aside from audiophiles, most people just want the simplicity. And yeah. wireless is simple. 
I don't know about yours, but mine charge really quickly. I think you could charge it like 10 minutes. It charges for a few hours. So if you've forgotten and you just want to listen to music for an hour, it only takes a couple minutes to get enough power. Yeah, that's a great effect. There's, there's very little to complain about on mine other than price. Yeah, it, it actually seems like the two are actually very similar. They both use the chip, right? The same chip. What is it, the H1? I think the Beats are using the W1, whereas Apple's using the H1. But I'm guessing the next generation Beats will probably catch up. But I, does it matter H1, W1? I think there's a difference of less latency and things like that, which is important if you're listening, if you're playing games and listening to the game on the headphones, you want the latency to be a lot less. And there are limits in physics of, you know, the speed of light and things like that that you can't change. Yeah. So I kind of thought we'd have a lot of stuff to talk about, about headphones, but I think both of us have just gotten to the point where it's like, okay, we got headphones, they're wireless, that's all it is. Yeah, that's the way it is. If you have a couple of bucks sitting around uh, the house at the end of the month you've got nothing to do with, I'd like to introduce you to our Patreon site. We sure could use a couple of bucks a month from you just to keep things going. We don't ask for big donations. We don't want all of your money. We just want a little bit of it. And if you can spare some, that would be great. It keeps us going and uh, lets us know you like us. And it also helps us out with the bookkeeping. We really appreciate it. So if you have the money and the inclination, please visit patreon.com slash the next track. I believe you have a pick. I have been getting a lot of mileage out of a playlist I made a few weeks ago that I call The Clash Reggae. I went through all of The Clash's songs, and I picked all the reggae-type songs from Police and Thieves, The Guns of Brixen, Armageddon Time, Junko Partner, Bank Robber, Pressure Drop, and all that. I've published the playlist on Apple Music. I'll link in the show notes. It's only 11 tracks, whereas the playlist that I have is 13 tracks because there are a couple of tracks that are not available to stream. These are on Super Black Market Clash. Is that what it's called? You know that compilation with a bunch of B-sides and extra stuff? So there are a couple of tracks on there that aren't available on Apple Music, surprisingly, aren't even available in that big box set that The Clash did of all their stuff. But I'm really enjoying this. It's 48 minutes on Apple Music. It's an hour and two minutes on my version. And I'm just putting this on every time I'm cooking in the kitchen or every time I'm cleaning the house. And I just love this. We got to do a show about The Clash at some point soon because we've discussed this. They were a punk band, but only in certain aspects. They did so much reggae and so much straight rock and so much rockabilly and other types of songs. And I find that isolating the reggae stuff gives you a really good taste of this this one sort of facet of The Clash's output. Doug, what have you got? I can keep this pretty quick because I don't have a lot to say about this record. I haven't listened to all of it yet, but uh, from what I've heard, it's, it's pretty dandy. Duke Robillard is a... Uh, uh, jump blues swing guitar player extraordinaire, I may add. Uh, he was the founder of Roomful of Blues, which is a band that I've mentioned in this space uh, once or twice easily. Um, he's no longer with Roomful of Blues. He's been doing solo stuff and um, recordings with a lot of other great musicians uh, over the years. That's what this record is. It's Duke Robillard and Scott Hamilton. Scott Hamilton is a terrific uh, tenor sax player, trad jazz, and uh, and this stuff, jump blues and, and swing. 
Duke Robillard is just a, a, a fantastic uh, a musician, just appreciates this old-time stuff. My understanding is that he's got a huge collection of 78 recordings that he just mines for interesting you know, songs to, to cover on his next album. There's a song on this particular album. It doesn't, I can't remember what it is offhand. But when I heard it, I was thinking, the only reason you'd want to play this is because of that really cool chord change right there. And uh, that's the kind of guy he is. If he finds something interesting, he wants to record it. But if you like traditional jazz, if you like uh, jump blues and swing, this is a really delightful record. It's Duke Robillard and Scott Hamilton swinging again. And it's my next track. This was episode number 220 of The Next Track. Thanks for listening. You can start or join a conversation in the comments section of this episode's show page at our website. You'll also find links to some of the things we talked about in the show notes for this episode. Just visit thenexttrack.com. You can follow us on Twitter, at NextTrackCast. And don't forget, you can support The Next Track by making regular donations via Patreon. We are ad-free and self-sustaining, so your support helps keep us going. Visit patreon.com slash thenexttrack. I'm Doug Adams, and for Kirk McElhern, thanks again. We'll talk to you next time.